Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap. Here overview of this week's Precious Metals News. It's Friday, May 13th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. It's Friday the 13th. Are you scared? Nah, we're not scared, right? But we are working in a construction zone this morning, so you may hear some intermittent banging, sawing, or other assorted sounds. And for that, I apologize, but, you know, I have to do what I have to do. So we're going to soldier forward here. You know, my stepdad, he broke me of wishful thinking when I was pretty young. He used to say, wish in one hand, crap in the other, see which one gets full first. The markets need a healthy dose of my dad. God rest his soul. So we got the April CPI numbers this week. They came in slightly above expectations. Now, you'll remember last month when CPI was smoking hot, the mainstream spin was, oh, inflation has peaked. Well, that was wishful thinking, and April's numbers make that pretty clear. Now, also when we got these hot inflation numbers for April, again, gold initially had a bit of a rally, even as stocks were selling off. Now, typically when we've had hot inflation, we've seen uh, gold sell off. This time we got a bit of a rally. I think some smart people realize that inflation is here to stay. And of course, if you're having inflation, you want to have gold, right? But yesterday we had another big sell-off in the yellow metal. And today we're actually testing the $1,800 an ounce level. So we've got this high inflation, and yet gold is selling off along with stocks and bonds and pretty much everything at this point. So why is gold selling off? This sentence from a Reuters article tells you everything you need to know about the market psychology right now. Quote, Gold and other precious metals dropped on Thursday as investors flocked to the dollar, driven by bets the U.S. Federal Reserve will stick to aggressive rate hikes. Now, I think this notion that the Fed is going to stick to aggressive rate hikes is also wishful thinking, as I've been talking about for months. But if they do stick to aggressive rate hikes, the economy is going to utterly collapse I think people kind of realize there might be a little recession, but they don't understand just how big the bubble is and just how much air there is to come out of it. If that happens, honestly, I still want gold. Now, there is some indication that the economy may already be collapsing if you look at the stock market and take that as any any indication. Stocks tanked again on Wednesday after that CPI data came out. The Nasdaq dropped 3.3% on Wednesday. Of course, the Nasdaq has been hit the hardest as the uh, Fed has supposedly tightened monetary policy. Um, The Nasdaq is down nearly 13% on the year. So here's the question. What's going to happen if the Fed really does do the aggressive inflation fight, which, keep in mind, has been a pretty wimpy inflation fight thus far? So let's just look at the CPI data a little bit. But first, I'm going to give you a bit of a recap. The March Consumer Price Index was 8.5% annually. It was the highest since December 1981. But again, the mainstream narrative was that inflation had probably peaked because core inflation, when you strip out the more volatile food and energy only, I'm using air quotes around only, rose by 0.3%. Mainstream pundits reasoned that the oil shock in the wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine primarily drove the huge 1.2% month-on-month CPI gain we saw 
in March. And since core CPI appeared to be slowing, then that meant really inflation was cooling off. Now, as I said at the top of the show, this was wishful thinking. April CPI data totally undercuts this narrative. The April CPI data was kind of a mirror image of March's. There was a much cooler headline number, especially when you look at it month on month, but there was a big spike in the core inflation number. So logic with me here for a moment. If a decrease in the March core inflation number meant CPI peaked last month, according to the mainstream, it seems logical to conclude that the big jump in core CPI in April means the peak was really just a head fake. So the headline CPI numbers did cool slightly last month. They came in at 8.3% year-on-year. While uh, that was down from March's blistering hot number, it wasn't really down by much, 0.2%. And it was higher than the projected 8.1% that the economists thought we were going to get. So we're still right at those 40-year inflation highs, right? On a monthly basis, CPI rose by 0.3%. Now, this was significantly down from March's huge month-on-month gain, but it was also higher than expected. Analysts had projected a 0.2% month-on-month increase because, you know, inflation had peaked. Um, The big drop in month-to-month CPI was primarily driven by stabilizing gasoline prices. Energy prices were down 2.7% for the month, including a 6.1% decrease in the price of a gallon of gas. Now, the bad news is the price of gas is on the rise again. The average price for gasoline nationwide has risen 7% in the first couple of weeks this month. Here in Central Florida, we've quickly gone from around 409 uh, a gallon for regular to 449. Now, meanwhile, every other category in the CPI calculation rose in April. So if you strip out the food and gas, and I say this every time we talk about CPI, but I think this is dumb. It's not like you and I can strip out food and gas. We still have to pay it. It'd be nice if we could, but you know that's not really a thing. But they like to do it because it smooths out volatility, so they say. But anyway, so that core CPI was up 6.2% year-on-year versus a consensus expectation of 6.0%. Now, more significantly, the month-on-month core came in at 0.6%. That was higher versus a 0.4% estimate. That 0.6% month-on-month rise was double March's 0.3% increase that we were supposed to be all excited about because it meant peak inflation. Psych! Housing costs were a big factor that uh, increased core. Um, They continued to inch higher, even using the government's make-believe owner's equivalent rent calculation. The housing index was up another 0.5% on the month, and this significantly understates the actual rise in housing costs that you and I have to pay in real life. Now, You already know this if you buy stuff. American workers are really feeling the pinch of this wave of inflation. Wages are up, but consumers are actually worse off. Average hourly earnings have risen 5.5% over the last year. That's a pretty good raise. Congratulations. And, you know, I've seen this touted multiple times as great news. And disingenuous people will actually point to this number and say, see, inflation isn't so bad. Wages go up too. Of course, 
Of course, wages never go up as fast as prices. If you factor in rising costs, real earnings are down 2.6% over the last year, and real wages fell by another 0.1% on the month. This despite a 0.3 increase in nominal wages. So yeah, your nominal wages are going up, but inflation is eating up your paycheck and more every single month. And now for my obligatory reminder that I offer every time I discuss this CPI data, as bad as these numbers are, it's actually much, much worse than that. The CPI uses a government formula that understates the actual rise in prices. So based on the CPI formula used in the 1970s, the CPI is actually approaching and is probably now over 17%. That is a historically high number. Hey, but the Fed has pushed rates to 0.75%. Man, that's going to kick inflation's butt. Okay, so to add another layer to the inflation data, we got the producer price index yesterday. Sometimes they call this wholesale inflation. It's the costs that producers are paying for the inputs that they need to make their products. This data also tells me that the peak inflation narrative is wishful thinking. The PPI was up 11% year on year. Yes, you heard that right, 11%. So guess how the mainstream is spinning this massive level of wholesale inflation? They're saying it was down from last month. Yay! Last month's PPI was initially reported at 11.2%. That was actually revised up to 11.5%. So it's true that PPI is down a little bit. It dropped a whole half a percent. But is leading with, hey, producer prices are down. This is great. Is that really giving you the most realistic picture of what's going on? I mean, 11% for producer prices, that's huge. In fact, the 11.5% annual increase that was charted last month was an all-time record. I mean, like, ever since they ever started this data series, that's as high as it's ever been. So we're just off the all-time record for producer price increases uh, in April. But hey, according to the mainstream, things are looking rosy. So again, this does not scream peak inflation. In fact, it indicates consumer prices have a lot more potential to rise. Businesses pass on at least some of their rising costs to consumers, right? So consumer prices typically lag behind producer prices. Looking at the data over the last year, there is a large gap between the prices producers are paying and the prices consumers are paying. So despite this left-wing spin that blames price-gouging greedy corporations for inflation, companies generally have been pretty slow to raise prices as fast as their costs are going up. That means you're likely going to be on the hook tomorrow for at least some of the price pressures that businesses are feeling today. So if you look at the CPI data and then you look at the producer price data, there's every reason to believe prices will continue to rise as we move forward in through 2022. And while the mainstream blames Russia, COVID, supply chains, excessive demand, I don't know, maybe voodoo for rising inflations, these completely ignore the most significant factor, actual inflation that's being created and has been created by the Federal Reserve. Now, Keep in mind, rising prices are not in and of themselves inflation. We say it all the time. I do it. You know, the inflation level is 8.5%. That's not really inflation. Rising prices 
are a symptom of inflation. Inflation is actually an increase in the money supply. And again, rising prices are a symptom of that inflation. Loose central bank monetary policy, and by that I mean artificially low interest rates and quantitative easing, money printing, that drives the money supply up. Oh, on a side note, I saw one of those uh, Facebook fact checks the other day about the Fed printing money, and it said that the, uh, the post was misleading. Now, here's their reasoning for this. Get this. The reasoning is it was misleading because the Fed doesn't actually print the money. Thank you oh so much, you benevolent fact checkers. I actually thought they were down there printing off dollar bills in the basement of the Eccles building. No, I didn't think that. And no, they aren't printing physical bills. We understand that. It's actually easier than that. They hit a button on a computer and money is just poof, conjured into existence. I mean, it's nice work if you can get it, really. But in all seriousness, the impact is exactly the same on the economy, whether they print paper bills and drop them out of a helicopter or create the money digitally like they actually do. It increases the money supply and that is by definition, inflation. Come to think of it, in order to get peak inflation, you'd have to assume that the Fed was about to quit printing money. Yeah, no. Anyway, as you know, the Fed took a weak swing at inflation during its May meeting, raising interest rates by one half of a percent in the light of 17% inflation. But at 0.75%, which is where we are, interest rates remain historically low. Meanwhile, the Fed doesn't plan to begin shrinking its balance sheet now until June, and at the proposed pace, it would take them like seven years, I think more than seven years, to decrease the balance sheet back to just pre-pandemic levels. This is still an exceptionally loose monetary policy, despite all of the mainstream caterwauling about, ooh, an aggressive Fed and, and all of this. The Fed is still spraying gasoline on the inflation fire, albeit at a slightly reduced rate. I've talked about why the Fed isn't going to be able to hike rates ad nauseum on the show, so I'm not going to go through it all again. Uh, just listen to last week's show for that spiel. Um, but in a nutshell, my guess is that the central bankers at the Fed hoped April CPI would cool enough for them to slow the roll on raising interest rates and let them avoid quantitative tightening. They really, really wanted to believe that inflation had peaked. They wanted that wishful thinking to be actual reality, and it's not. The, the stock market is already tanking, and the economy looks increasingly shaky, and the central bank is just getting started, supposedly. So, that's the question, and, I, and I've raised this numerous times. I think you need to keep this question in your head anytime you're listening to you know, what's going on with the economy, what's going on with the Fed. Will the Fed push forward with its plan to tighten monetary policy and wreck the economy, or will it surrender to inflation? Now, Peter Schiff says the Fed has already surrendered. It's already lost the inflation fight. Uh, he talked about that in his podcast this week. I'll link to it on the show notes page. But, you know, don't worry. Joe Biden is going to save us. Yes, Joe Biden. Did you hear he did a speech on inflation uh, this past week? And they also released a plan. They have a plan for inflation. Did you see this? I'll link to that in the show notes page also, or at least the press release, which really most of it was talking about what the Republicans want to do. Partisan politics is dumb, but 
Anyway, uh, there were some some things in this plan that we're going to do. Uh, Biden said he's going to release some oil from the strategic reserves, which that's really just window dressing. So people will say, oh, look, the president did something. It doesn't really have that much impact on the global market. And, and then basically the rest of the plan is spend a bunch of money on typical Democratic Party programs. You know, we're going to do infrastructure and all this stuff. We're going to spend we're going to spend more money. Of course, Spending more money means borrowing more money, and that means more debt that the Fed will ultimately need to monetize. So when you melt down this whole ball of wax, it's pretty clear that the Fed and the U.S. government haven't guided us beyond peak inflation. It's wishful thinking. We're still climbing the inflation mountain. The mainstream can wish all they want, but wishful thinking doesn't change the numbers. It doesn't change the data. And wishful thinking certainly doesn't change the underlying policies that have created that mess and it will continue to create that mess as we move forward because these people never learn the lessons of the past. And, uh, you know, while they're wishing inflation away, they can also watch the mythical wealth effect vanish into thin air. Now, you know, the wealth effect is one of the reasons central bankers used to justify loose monetary policy. The thinking is that when the economy slows down, uh, if they raise asset prices, so we're talking about stocks, real estate, things like that, if they can raise asset prices, it will make people feel wealthier and they'll be more likely to spend money. And of course, that's a boost to the economy. So they want to create the wealth effect. They've actually said this is one of the goals of monetary policy. The problem is, you know, this has real world consequences. People borrow against those assets because, I mean, on paper, they are wealthier and they can leverage that to do different things. And of course, then when the bubble pops and the wealth effect disappears, and we're seeing that now, look at the NASDAQ, a lot of people are left holding the bag. So I'm going to give you a, a case in point. Um, this was on Twitter, I think, and, and uh, this guy is talking about kind of how he's leveraged his assets. Um, he says, I work in tech, bringing in around seventy-five dollars to $100,000 a year in stock options, plus my sign-on stock five years ago. Last summer, we purchased a home for $950,000 in cash using the stock to qualify for a loan so that we could be competitive in Northern Virginia. Recently, the value of the stocks has dropped to around $250K, and the loan after fees and interest has passed $1 million. We plan to keep making the payments, but our original plan of selling all the stock to pay for it is no longer an option. And since the rate can be made variable at the lender's discretion, is that a possibility now that the collateral is worth, worth less than the loan? Yes. Yes, it is. Is it a possibility to take out a traditional mortgage now that the house is ours to protect it? Should I call our lender and hope they didn't notice the stock decrease in value? So you see the problem this guy has created. He's borrowed against this stock and the stock has tanked. And now the, uh, the, the, asset that he's borrowed against isn't worth as much. Well, if I was the bank, I would certainly be concerned by that, by this guy's ability to pay back this loan. There was another one that was even worse where this same kind of scenario, I think it might have been real estate though, the value has dropped and now the, the bank is calling in the loan. They're looking at this collateral. They're saying, you can't pay this back, so you need to go ahead and pay it back. So you can see this, this has consequences. Now, you know, you might think the guy got what he deserved, and maybe he did. And I'm, you know, I'm sure you're, some people are thinking, oh, this rich guy, who really cares? I'm not asking you to feel sorry for him. 
But stuff like this has an impact on the overall economy, and that's important to look at. I mean, whether, you know, whether he's culpable, whatever, whatever you might think about this guy, this is how Fed monetary policy creates misallocations of resources. It creates this all over the economy. You have scenarios like this all over the place where people have done things because of Fed monetary policy that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to do. And now that the Fed is taking that monetary policy away, the air is coming out of the bubble and we're seeing the consequences of this. It happens over and over again. I mean, this isn't a mystery. This is how the system works. So, think that it would behoove us to maybe think about looking at things a little different way and not just trusting that the Fed can continue perpetuating this forever. We're in a mess, ladies and gentlemen. And that brings up the question that I ask every show, are you prepared for what's coming down the pike? Because we've seen the booms and we've seen the busts. And at some point, we're going to get the bust where they can't blow the air back into the bubble. You need to be ready for that. You need some good advice. Call a Shift Gold Precious Metals Specialist today. Call 1-888-GOLD-160 or email info at shiftgold.com or just go to the website and you can chat with uh, one of the brokers right there. You know, I say this every week. I know these guys personally. They're fantastic and they care about their customers. They care about the individual. They will talk to you about your goals uh, and, and answer questions that you may have. Figure out how precious metals can fit into your portfolio. It's not the end-all, cure-all. It's not the entirety of your portfolio, but you do need gold and silver. Now's the time to get it because prices are low. So give them a call. Do it today. And with that, It is a Friday the 13th gold wrap. I hope you have a very lucky day today, even though it's supposed to be unlucky. Go like pet a black cat or, you know, maybe walk under a ladder. I mean, if you're going to do it, just really tempt fate, right? Anyway, you can get more details on all of the stories I've talked about today and more. And of course, keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shipgold.com slash news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap podcast. Uh, We're on the Apple podcast. We're on Stitcher. We're on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. You're welcome to email me, mmaharry, M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y. So mmaharry at shiftgold.com. We'd love to hear from you. And um, I think that's it. So I hope you have a fantastic weekend. And I'll talk to you next week.